If, if this is your first time here, I've actually met a few first-timers that are here. It's great to have you. Um, just so you know, one of the things that we're passionate about is we're passionate about God's Word. And uh, so if you didn't bring a Bible, we've actually got Bibles for you. And there's going to be guys walking down the aisles here coming in just a second. That If you need a Bible today, or even if you don't have a Bible, we just say this. You can keep the Bible, but we're going to be spending time in it. Um, sometimes it's intimidating when you uh, don't have your own Bible, wondering how in the world does this Bible thing work. If you don't know how that Bible thing works, then just look to the person next to you and go, I don't know how this thing works. Can you help me get where I'm supposed to get? But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11 today. And so if you could open up your Bibles, and, and uh, we're going to actually read out of that. And I'm just going to kind of give us a running start reading it, and then we're going to be talking today a little bit more to just the, the women of the church. Yeah, if you remember right, we spent two weeks talking to the guys. We're going to spend two weeks uh, then talking to the ladies. This is the last time we're going to talk to the ladies. And then next week, we're going to try to pull it all together. And next week, actually, is finally when I'm going to bring my wife up here. And she's going to uh, tell you why you shouldn't be listening to me right now. So, <clears throat> But if you got your Bibles, and today, you know, you can stay seated. I just, I want you to hear the word. And and maybe even some of you, you're better off just listening. Maybe some of you need to read it. But just follow along with me as I read this text. And let's see if we can catch the gist of it. I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it's the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it's disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair, shave her head, let her cover her head. Now stop for a second. Aren't you glad I explained the history of that to you for the last few weeks? In some ways you read that and you're like, especially if you're new here, you might be going... They're going to have me cut off my hair. Right? Just stop for a second. Some of this is we're about ready to get to. Some of it has to do with going back to creation. Some of it has to just do with what's going on at the time. And at the time, all he was saying is, look, men, just be men. Women, just be women. That's how God's created you. This is a good thing. Now look at verse 7. For a man doesn't need to cover his head, since he's the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. In other words, he was made first. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And I would just say this, the humility of a woman is she was made for a man. The humility of a man is he's absolutely incomplete without her. Verse 10, that is why a wife should wear the symbol of authority on her head. Because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. They need each other. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Key. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature teach itself that if a man wears long hair, it's disgraceful for him? So yes, just all you men in here, if your hair is long... We're going to be cutting hair today. <laughs> Kidding. Again, that's the time. But if a woman has long hair, it's for her glory. In other words, she's a woman. 
For her hair is given to her covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Now, the thing we've been trying to do, and we've been, we've been using this mirror, and we've been talking about dancing, is for the last few weeks, we've kind of pulled this apart. And if you remember right, I said when, when a mirror's made, there's the glass part of it, and we couldn't do this exactly because I can't get my hands on silver nitrate, but... Men are kind of the glass part of it. That in other words, God, when he created us to be image bearers, and we talked about what does it mean to be this part of God's image. Last week we began to talk about for women, what does it look like to be this part of the image. But the goal next week is to make sure that the beauty of men and women is when you push it back together. That's when it becomes beautiful. That men and women working together, we talked about it when men are, when you look down in verse 3, when they're living out the reality of looking at the Father and watching how He operates, that's the way it's designed to operate. Women, we're going to talk about today that your goal is Jesus Christ in that relationship with God the Father. And we're going to throw out this word, submission. Now most times I say that word and everybody goes, including me. It's a word we don't like, especially as Americans. When we learned back in the 18th century that we were supposed to submit to the British government, we threw a tea party. We don't like to submit. Don't tread on me. I'm the captain of my ship. Don't do that to me. And oftentimes when we teach this idea of submission, that's what we go to first as we look at women and we just say, here's what submission is, deal with it. How does that work for you? We tend to go, I need a little more info, homeboy. In fact, what's so funny is, is when I talk to the guys, I probably had five different women come up to me and say, are you going to talk to women just as hard as you did to men? I go, what do you mean? Well, do they understand what's up in this whole submission thing? And I'm like, dang, angry person. Just (laughs) peace like a river, peace like a river. We look at submission maybe functionally, right? I've always heard this before. Well, just it functions best. It just works better when the man's in charge, really. My wife is way more functionally literate than I am. When you step into my household, I am fun dad. When I come in, it's like, yay, romper room. And my wife's sitting there going, oh, no, dad's home. Right? It's not, it's just because it's functional. It's not because men are smarter. It's not because they're more articulate. But we always go to the what. Here's what it is, and we stand hard on the what. And maybe then we go to the how. Well, in other words, okay, so maybe it's not about the what, but let's talk about how we do it. Here's how women are going to learn how to submit. And we walk through this whole idea of how it looks and how it is we're going to have more functional homes. But God's goal in your home and in your life is not functionality. God's goal in your life is Christ-likeness. And sometimes the house has to get a little crazy to shape us into the image of Jesus. See, God's end game, we always have to keep this in mind. It's not just about functionality. It's not just about because God said so. It's because God is trying to do something big. See, I think one of the reasons that I love the Bible is it tells us why. It tells us purpose. 
Purpose is huge. See, all of us in this room, and just, just for a second, just think about this. We're involved in something way bigger than we can ever imagine. There's something God's doing here that is so much bigger than us. We get caught up in our daily lives and everything gets going a million miles an hour and we kind of get our blinders on and we don't know what to do with it, but at the end of it, there's something bigger going on without us. One of the reasons that I love to talk to people as they're moving through death is, isn't, aren't those people some of the most clear-thinking people on the planet? They know what really matters. See, that question of why are we doing it, we need to start asking why submission. And I think the answer is inside of this text that we're in. But that why question explains the purpose. See, everybody knows it's Black History Month, and one of the big issues around Black History Month was the battle for civil rights. Now, can you imagine if Martin Luther King came into the group of people and he said, here's what civil rights is. He's got 250,000 people standing in front of him, and he begins to lecture them on what is civil rights. I think everybody would be like, okay, this is not what I was looking for. I think I'll go to the next one over. Or how civil rights, he didn't stand in front of him, I've got an idea. Let's go do civil disobedience. Why? Let's go take a march to Selma. Why? Let's go do this. And then he didn't say to them, I have a plan. He said, I have a what? A dream. Purpose. 250,000 people were there, and it rocked the nation. Because he sat up there and he said, I have a dream. See, the beauty of what Jesus Christ did when he came to earth is he came and did the same thing. He came in and he explained to people, it's not just about a plan. It's not just about what I'm doing. It's not just about how I'm doing it. He came in and said, why? I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. I'm fixing all things. I'm restoring things to the way that they are. And in it, once people caught a glimpse of it, they would follow him wherever he went. He explained to him why. Now, on this issue of submission that we're going to talk about today, I want to take and reshape your understanding of what you think submission is. I think once we understand the why of submission, I think people are going to desire to push themselves into it because, and here's my statement, it's bigger than us. So the first question I want to ask is, and we're going to ask three questions. We're going to ask why submission, we're going to ask how is submission, and we're going to ask what is submission, okay? Those three questions today, and we're going to try to build towards it. Now, here's the first question we're going to ask, which is why submission, now, for the last few weeks, I've been trying to lay this out, and the answer, I believe, is found in verse 3. Go down there again, and I'm going to keep repeating this one because I want all of us to get it. Why submission is because God's image is at stake. It's crazy to think to me that God is resting his conveying of himself to the world on us. Seriously, would you put you responsible for this? 
See, the weight of this is he wants us to know, and we talked about this with men, that God wants to see himself, God the Father, in how men head inside of their relationships with women inside of the church and inside of the home. I want to see myself. That's why he says man is the head of woman. God the Father is the head of the Son, or Christ. He said, I want you to know, man, that you can look at God the Father and you can learn what it looks like. His image is at stake. Us conveying who he is. But in this next one, I believe he's also saying, women, your goal is not just submission. Your goal, more importantly, is Christ. Your goal is to look like Christ in his submission to the Father. No day ever has the son ever thought, oh, this submission thing just stinks. I don't like submitting to the Father. If I had it my way. Instead, we know for eternity he's been doing it. Before time even began in Ephesians 1, it tells us that God predestined what he was going to do. The Father and the Son said, let's go do it. Before creation, it says that God the Father superintended, we're going to create this people in Genesis 1, 26 or 27. He says, in our image, male and female, he created them. We're going to create it. And the Son, it says, all things were created through him and by him and for him. The Son went and said, dear, this is awesome. Let's go do it. Before Jesus Christ ever came to earth, somewhere in there, the Father said, I'm sending you. How do I know that? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son. Isn't that awesome? Somewhere in there, God the Father looks at God the Son and says, here's the plan. You know all those people I gave you before time began? You're going to go rescue them. And the Son didn't go, no. He looked at it and said, let's do it. He shows up when he gets to earth in his ministry, right? Over and over he said, I came to do the will of my father. Even in his most low moments, there he is sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he's looking at this thing going, Father, if this cup can just pass from me. Three times he says it, but then he always finishes with the statement, not my will, but what? It'll be done. Even finally, he looks at it at the very end of it, and it says, into, his, into the Father's hands, he committed his spirit. Father, I'm here. I'm following you. Now listen to me. Jesus is not a secondary God. He is fully God. Absolutely fully God in all essence and qualities, God. But inside of the Trinity, they just operate in such a way that the Father is the one who's the head. And nowhere in there has the Spirit of the Son ever said, we don't like this. Even right now, the Son is submitting to the Father. Where's, who's, whose right hand is the Son sitting at? Father. What's he doing on our behalf? He's interceding. He's going, Father, I know those people down there are sinners, but those are the ones I died for. He's crying out to the Father, interceding on our behalf. And even we know this, that one day the Son is going to hear from the Father because even while Jesus was on earth, we didn't know the time the Father was going to ask him to come back. But at some moment, the Son, the Father is going to look at the Son and say, go get the people. Wouldn't it be awesome if it was right now? Oh. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And in Ephesians 15, kind of in verses 26 through 28, it says, when all things are put in subjection to the Son, 
It says when he has put those things in subjection, he will subject himself to the one who is the Father. He's going to take all of those that he's given him and he's beautifying us and, and making us clean and whole. And then he's going to grab them and hand them right back to the Father. And in this grand purpose of everything, this is what we're a part of. We're a part of this bigger thing that God is doing. So you're not just involved in going to work and driving to where you're going and your kids' sports and going to bed that night and eating meals. You're involved in a grand love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we can never forget that. That's who we are as his people. And that's why Paul in verse 3 says, ladies, you've got to understand this. In this relationship between you and your husband... He's asked to look at the Father in his headship and say, Father, teach me. We've talked about the unconditional love of it. But then his goal for women is not to look anywhere else, but now look at the sun. Watch the sun. Keep your eyes focused on the sun and how he submits. Even in difficult times, still follow his submission because even Jesus showed us submission, submission even to the point of death on the cross. And aren't you glad he submitted to that? See, women, your target isn't just anybody. It's Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Talk about a high and lofty goal. That's how he wants to reflect himself. He wants to see himself. He wants to put us on display in front of also the angelic realm. We know this. We see like in this passage, see down in verse 10, the angels... The angels long, it says in 1 Peter 1.12, to look into what God's doing. They're trying to figure it out. They love it when humanity lives in the way that God designed them. We also know from 1 John 3 that Jesus Christ came that he might defeat the works of the devil. In the same way that Satan tapped on that shoulder and said, may I dance with your wife there, Adam. Now us as God's people can look back at Satan and say, buzz off. I'm doing the will of my Father. It's so that humanity might see. I think we hate submission because we've never seen it in a good way. I think right now humanity is dying to know what is truly human, don't you? Everybody's trying to figure themselves out. I don't know if you heard, but Bruce Jenner's getting a sex change. Not Bruce Jenner. Not Wheaties guy. Why? He's battling for an understanding of what does it truly mean to be human. In it, God tells us what it is. I think our world is looking for it. I think we have the opportunity to, to live out these good works the Father has given us so that people, 1 Peter 3, will ask an answer for the hope that's within it, in us. There's something bigger going on here that we're involved in and we have to keep our eyes on it. All the time, there's something bigger that's going on. But not only that, inside of every one of us is the capacity to pull it off. That's the big thing. Ladies, let me look at you. I don't know what it's like to be a woman and that's a good thing. But no matter what God calls you to, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which means 1 Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ, and no matter what he throws at you, you can do it, because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. You can do this. See what I mean? It's just bigger than us, isn't it? 
Holy Spirit at work in us to show Christ off to the world. That's what we're involved in. We're involved in something cosmic. We're involved in something global. We're involved in this effort to not just say what we've been saved from. We've been saved from darkness and sin and Satan and death. But now we're showing people what it means for what we've been saved for. This is it. We've been saved to this and for this. That's the big thing that we're involved in. And let me tell you something. I believe that is worth dying for. That's the big picture. So that's the, that's the why. Okay, you with me? That's the why. Now here's the how. How in the world then do we pull this off? The how is found, I think, in three different things. Inside of the book of 1 Corinthians is this constant thing from Paul, and I would summarize it in this word, you got to surrender. Why? Because our first reaction is not to submit. When it comes to the government, right? In Romans 13, it says that we're to submit to the authorities over us. Well, in white evangelical Christianity, when I say the word Obama, it's like, well, not in that case. I don't think I like him. I want somebody different to which God says, I don't care what you want. That's what you have. Submit. It's a surrender. It's that capacity to think about my first reaction and understand this is what I'm going to be tended to do. Remember, all throughout 1 Corinthians, we've been talking about this idea of missing the point. And if you don't think you've missed the point, you've what? Missed the point. All the time we're missing what God's doing here. We're surrendering to God saying, I don't understand everything that you're doing. The other day, my daughter and I, my youngest one, we were doing a puzzle together. And she grabbed one puzzle piece and she goes, Dad, I think I know what the puzzle's going to look like. I go, no, you don't. She goes, I do. I go, why? And she grabs the box like this. <laughs> I'm like, dang, that's good. <laughs> Your dad is stupid. But... Sometimes all we see is a little puzzle piece, don't we? We're surrendering to God, saying, God, I don't see the big picture. God, you do. God knows the day that we're born. He knows the day we're going to die. God, I'm just submitting to you, saying, you know. For the ladies in our church, if we're ever going to learn this submission thing, this grand picture of looking like Jesus Christ, one of the first things you're going to have to help one another with is this idea of just surrender. But not only do we miss the point off of this idea of surrender, it's a surrender that says, God, on my own, I can't. I can't do this. John 15, apart from me, you can do what? I would reverse that then and say, but with him, we can do it. It's a surrender to God that just says, I can't. That's the first thing. The second thing I think that's even inside of 2 Corinthians, it, it comes in this idea that not only is it that, that we need to surrender, but second of all, we talked about this idea, I've got to look at Christ to understand him. That's the thing we've been trying to pound into this, that one of the things I have to do is look at how Jesus Christ lived, and I've got to live like him. See, for you ladies in here, it's what I mean. As I laid out all those ways in which Jesus Christ submitted, you can look at that and go, that's how we're supposed to do it. That's my target. That's what I'm shooting for. You're not shooting for a concept. You're not shooting for a principle. You're not shooting for all these things. You're shooting for Jesus. 
He's the author and perfecter of the faith. He's the one that blazed the trail. He's the one that I can look at and understand, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like. That's what Paul's trying to do. Why would we put a head covering over our head? Why would we shave our head if we're not going to choose to do it like he calls us to? Why are we going to do all these things? Because Jesus is the one that I'm pursuing after. And if I'm not pursuing after Jesus, I might as well just go live like the world. Jesus is the goal. And ladies in here, Oh, what a goal. What one to shoot for. But not only is it that I have to surrender, and not only is it that I have to understand my goal when I talk about how to do this, I've actually got to go do it. Now, in the United States, I would say the reason most of us don't go do things is fear of failure. I'm not going to. Do you understand if I start to release my death grip around my family and I let my husband in any way come into this, the universe will fly apart. Must not let go. (sighs) Here's another serious one, though. If I choose in this dance to let him lead... Will he overlook me? If I choose to let him lead in this dance, will I matter to the decisions we make? See, the do thing has a lot of fear within it, but we've got to work it out. And that's why when I talked about husbands providing this atmosphere of unconditional love is that the reason we provide that unconditional love is because we talked about perfect love casts out what? Fear, and so therefore, when a man comes in and provides that frame of unconditional love, what he's saying is, is there's nothing to fear in failure. Have you ever thought about it? Built into the gospel is the idea that it's not when we, it's not if we fail, but it's when we fail. The beauty of the gospel is, is that God is going to mature us through failure. It's we have to actually go do it. But there's a grace in it. Aren't you glad God doesn't expect you to be perfect on day one? Amen? Amen. Have you ever seen Dancing with the Stars? I mean, I've never, but it's kind of what I've heard about, you know. Dancing with the Stars? What do the stars look like the first night? Oh, sure. I don't watch it. They look awful. And they're sitting there with the pro, you know, and they're like... And the pros, and they're trying to make them look all good, you know, and they're all dancing around them, trying to look good. Listen, when you first start to do this dance together, where you start to work it out and go, okay, honey, I'm going to let you lead, and the honey steps in, and he's like, uh, it looks bad. Why? Because for the most part, men and women are off doing their own solos. They're soloing over here, and the man is soloing over here, but God did not design you to solo, did he? He designed you to dance together. He designed the church to dance together. And the reality of what I'm saying is, is that when you learn this thing, there's going to be failure. You're going to step on each other's toes. But listen to me. Remember when I said the goal is not functionality. The goal is not a smooth working family. The goal is what? Christ likeness. And the only way to get to Christ likeness is through trials and difficulty and failure. It's just going to happen. 
You don't believe me? James 1, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you experience easy times. Knowing that easy times... Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of various kinds. Knowing that the testing, the dakamazo, the God seeing us in himself of faith produces what? Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Whoever said that? That's better than an amen right now. Right? We get to go work it out. Right, the husband, he doesn't know how to do this in unconditional love. He's sitting there. You know, men never can dance. And so, you know, it's like they're working it through. Women are sitting there stepping on each other's toes. But go learn it. That's the beauty of marriage is the learning it process. Everybody always comes into marriage. I'm doing premarital with a couple. And they're like, I'm like, oh, why do you want to get married? Because we love each other. Just can't wait for what life is going to be like. The other day I was watching Cinderella. <gasps> And we have to look at him and say, it's time to learn to dance. And you all don't dance very well yet. You think you do. And then God adds children. <laughs> it's the grace to figure it out. See, that's what I mean built into this, is that God wants women to look like his son when it comes to submission. God is not against you. He's what? He's for you. He wants this to be worked out. He wants people to see his son. So then the question is, after that, then, how, then what is it that this whole submission thing is? Well, I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget it. So let me just kind of lay out for you. This is kind of the what submission is. On one end, I would say it this way. It's the willingness and the dance with the men in your lives, inside of family and inside of the church, to go ahead and look at him and say, lead. Go ahead and lead. Be the man that God designed you to be. Dance with me, lead. See, ladies, you don't understand this. Sometimes it's hard for guys to do that. And I think there's nothing better when the woman just comes up and says, look, if God's designed you to be that, lead. If that's how we're going to make God look best, here I am. Let me follow. But it's a definition that is a willful, it's willful decision that says I'm going to hold back my power in some ways and redirect it in other ways so that it will be to the greatest benefit for you. The Bible calls this word meekness. It was the capacity of Christ that even though he knew he could have squashed people with one word, instead he held that power back for the good of them. See that? Submission is this capacity to withhold it and direct it in the correct way so that you're coming alongside of men to help them become who God's designed them to be. Now in it, let me tell you, there's just some things off it. Number one, it's personal. It's something that happens deep inside of the life of the person. Jesus said, don't clean the outside of the cup, clean where? The inside of the cup. Men are never told to come in and tell their woman Submit to me, woman. Did you know that? They're never told to do that. Actually, the woman is supposed to work it out. The command that Paul gives is not to the man, but to the woman in Ephesians 5. 
She's supposed to work it out. She's supposed to figure out 1 Timothy 2. What does it look like to live in such a way of self-control and modesty? This idea of modesty is to think about others before herself and then to control her life, to control the power she has to either seduce or flatter or all the power that woman has. I'm going to hold that back to be a blessing to that person. I'm going to self-control it. And it has to be worked out internally. Not only that, but here's a shocker for you. Did you know the worst person to teach women how to be a wife or a mom is men? If I walked in when my wife's in Atlanta, she's been gone for four days, bless my soul. And so now she's going to come back and I'm going to go, Lisa, I got a great idea. I'd like to walk you through a four-day series on what it looks like to be a wife and a mom. She's going to go, that's cute. Because since she's been gone, I've understood I'm a terrible mom. Who does she need? Titus 2 says she needs women in her life. You know the best person to teach women how to be women is women? I know that's deep. Just go with me. It's personal. Not only though is it personal, I think there's another side of it to understand it's spiritual. In Ephesians 5, before he gets in and starts asking women to submit so that Christ might be seen, so that the submission of the church might be seen, he first says to them, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's spiritual. The Spirit of God has to capture my life. He's the one that needs to control how I live so that I can have the mind of Christ. And even at the very end of it, when you get to Ephesians 6.12, the battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's with principalities and authorities. In other words, this battle is spiritual. Guys, little quick tip for you. If your wife is struggling submitting to you, it is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. Us men try to fix everything. Let me just tell you something. You can't fix it, but on your knees, God can. Ephesians 6.18, afterwards, it says, pray. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. I told you before, my wife got the book Married to a Difficult Man. Remember me telling you that? I wish I, wish I could find Married to a Difficult Woman, but they don't have it. <laughs> just to put it on my nightstand, just to go... <laughs> You open it up, and the number one principle it teaches for women to be married to a man is pray. And the same thing for men. Pray. You want to see your wife change? Don't go up to her and give her a five-part, five-step thing on how to change. Just get on your knees and pray. But not only that, I would say this. It's mutual. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ. See, first what's to happen is, is this is the greatest news for you women. Even if you're married to someone like me that's married to a difficult man, is that you're not seeking just to submit to me. You're seeking to submit to me out of reverence to Christ. It's about Jesus. Men, you will never know how to lead until you surrender yourself to God. You cannot lead. It's an understanding in it. Sometimes we present man as the CEO of his family. He's going to come in and he's going to tell everybody what's for. Men, you are not the CEO. Paul says you're merely a house slave along with your wife. God is the king. But it's not just beneficial or mutual. It's beneficial. 
I was talking with my wife the other day, and we're kind of wrestling through how to do some things with our kids, and we kind of had a rough day with our kids, but we were laying there, and I go, could we have done anything differently? And she goes, no, I think we did the right thing. I go, no, seriously, in front of God, did we do the right thing? And she kind of leans back, and she goes, yeah, we did the right thing. You know the peace when you've just done the right thing? There's a shalom to it. For you ladies in here, there's a peace that you quit fighting God. God, if this is how you've designed me, okay, I'll go figure it out. I'll grab the other women around me. We'll go figure out this whole submission thing, looking like Jesus thing. But not only is it beneficial from a peace standpoint, I would also say it this way. It's beneficial in the sense that it's only going to get better as you work it out. I am so glad I'm a better dancer with my wife, figuratively now, than I was when I first started. I can get better. The Spirit of God can grow us into what we've called for. It's not only beneficial, though, I would say it's practical. I love how practical the Bible is. Sometimes our fear of submission is, is what if my husband asks me to do something that's against God? In Romans 13, it says, submit yourself to the government. Did you know in Acts 4, though, that the people at that time, the Christians, did not to submit themselves to the government because the government was asking them to do something that was against God? The women in here, the practicality of it is, you don't have to submit to your husband when he asks you to do something that's clearly against what God wants you to do. That means you don't have to violate God because your reverence is, is for your, you're honoring your husband out of reverence for who? Christ. If your husband beats you in our country, that's called against the law. That's a great time to say, hey, honey, for your good, because I want you to look more like Jesus, I will be calling the police. And they will be coming to get you because I think in the jail there's a greater opportunity for you to look like Jesus than beating on me in our home. Amen? There's a practicality to it. And I would just say there's a last thing for it in here. It's countercultural. I think it'll confound our world. We live in a world in which women are CEOs. There might be a woman president in our lifetime. Women are doing all these great things. And again, if you've noticed, I've always said in the church and in the home. I've never talked about the fact that, you know, like I said, a woman can't be president or anything like that. But I think you look in there and there's something about it when a woman chooses to control her power for the good of the men in her life, that's powerful. That's Proverbs 31. And that's the calling that I believe God's placed on you women's lives. Isn't it more beautiful that way than just submit? It's about Christ. As one of the elders and pastors in this church, let me just say to you women, it's our privilege in this church to dance with you. It's our privilege to shepherd you. We pray for a lot of you often. We pray for you because we believe that God has designed you to join him in ways that you could never imagine. And we believe it's our responsibility to do that. What I'm going to do, though, is to help you kind of in this. We're going to do kind of what I did with the men. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to ask all the men to leave. We're going to leave the women here to talk for a little bit about how it is then off of what I've been talking about. How is it that I learned that? Okay, God, I, I want to learn that. How do I do that? And so we're going to have a little time for just the women. Everybody's already leaving.
please. Come back. Come back. They obviously don't love Jesus. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everybody's like, oh, I'm not going to get up now. We're going to sing a song together, okay? And we're going to sing maybe a verse and a chorus, and then at some point they're going to ask the guys to leave. And if the guys could just step out, that'd be great. I'm going to bring the worship team up. But ladies, I want you to figure this out, and so I want you to know we're here for you. And so if I could just have everybody stand up. Let's pray. And then we're going to unleash the, the worship team. And at some point they'll ask the guys to step out, and all the ladies, if you could, just start to come forward after that's over. We're going to have a little toxy-toxy with you, all right? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for books like Ephesians that teach us how men and women interact and 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 3 and all those other amazing texts that teach us what it looks like to walk with you. Father, you, you've placed a lofty goal in front of women in their relationships with men that they might look like Jesus Christ. Father, would the anthem of their life be what the sons was, not my will, but the will of the Father. Father, would they learn to embrace that? Would they learn to honor their husbands, not because they're so great, but because, God, you're great? Father, would you truly do a work in our church? Would you stir us and cause us to be the people you want us to be, please? Teach us what it means to be truly human in your precious name. Amen. Oh Christ, be the center of 
give you this time. I pray that you would be the center of our lives, Lord, our complete focus as we submit everything to your will. In Jesus' name. Can everybody hear me? Yes, on? Good morning, ladies. Um, Todd asked me to share my story of submission. My name is Julie Staub. I've been married for 13 years to Doug, and we have three boys. Um, a little background about me. I grew up here in Simi Valley and um, stable, middle-class home with a loving family. I never went to church, though, did not know God, did not have God in my life. I was completely ignorant on anything spiritual. If anything, um, I was brought up to believe that I could do anything on my own if I just worked hard enough. Um, I grew up on the heels of the feminist movement, so I was sort of told that women are smarter and better and can do anything, and a man better not tell us what to do, and we don't need men. So that's what I did. I went to college, I got a job, I, in my 20s, I was completely on my own. I was in charge, and something was missing. I had what I now know is a God-shaped hole inside. I achieved all my success, all my goals that was set in front of me, but it wasn't enough, something was missing. About that time, at the end of my 20s, I, married my, I, I met my husband. And I thought, well, he's a, he's a good candidate for marriage, maybe. But all of my fear about divorce and seeing marriages around me falling apart left and right, I was afraid to commit. I got engaged right away, but I could not set a wedding date. Two and a half years went by, and Doug patiently waited for me. And... I didn't know what to do, so I started looking for answers, and I couldn't find any. Eventually, I read an article that said that families that go to church have a better shot of staying together. I thought, all right, well, I'll try that and see how it goes. So Doug agreed to go with me, and we went to church. And for the very first time, at the age of 30, I heard the word. I heard the gospel. And I was, quite honestly, a little blown away. It was nothing like what I had heard all my life about Christianity. It was nothing about God that I heard all my life. And it made sense. So we started going once, twice a week, thirsty for the word, the truth. I knew it was the truth. And almost immediately, within weeks, I said, I have to get married now. This is, this is done. All that fear went away. God gave me peace and he pushed me towards marriage to Doug. So in preparing for our marriage, we met with our pastor, the pastor that I was seeing, and for premarital counseling. And he sat down with us, and he explained uh, the models in Ephesians 5 about the woman submitting to the husband and husband being head of the family. And I remember listening to that thinking, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, that's not what our culture is saying. That's not what I grew up believing. That would seem to be against everything a feminist is about. Um, I was taking away all my power and control. 
to submit to him. And at the time, I, in, I was a business executive, so I was leading a lot of people at that time. I liked leadership. I was comfortable with it. Doug was over four years younger than me, still is, unfortunately. <laughs> Every time he has a birthday, I go, yay, he's a little closer to my age. He's like, honey, it's never going to change. Um, so he was younger than me. He was sort of used to taking direction, actually. Um, so I listened to him very patiently, and I just looked at him honestly, and I said, you know, that's great, but that's just not going to work for us. I'm sorry. just not going to happen. And Doug added, yeah, she's right. It's not going to work for us. I, I, I would much rather her direct me. That's, that's how our relationship works. <laughs> and my, I remember the pastor looking at me and saying, if you can't learn to submit and respect your husband, then you should not get married to him. Bottom line. This is the only way. It will not work otherwise. And I was, uh-oh, what do I do now? I have the dress. I've sent out the invitations. I mean, I have to get married. So I came home, and I thought about it, and I started talking to God. And this was a very new thing for me, talking to God, right? But I started talking to him. And I remember thinking, well, God, you're going to have to change Doug. Because there's, I mean, to submit to him, you're going to have to make him this incredible leader. Um, he's going to have to become older than me. Um, <laughs> You know, you're going to have to do some amazing work in him for me to do this. And I kept hearing God whisper, just try. Just try. Trust. Trust me. Trust me. So it took me a few months. We got married, and I tried. And it was hard. I kept thinking, uh-oh, if I gave Doug the finances, we're going to end up on the street um, the house is going to go, you know, he's not going to make any right decision. What am I going to do? How is this going to work? So it was very subtle at first. He took over our finances. He took over the decisions. He still heard me and respected my opinion and looked for my opinion. But I was quiet when before I would tell him what to do. I was quiet. I started to affirm him in public. I started to affirm him, just him and I, and thank him for all he does for me. And it was gradual. And all of a sudden, I learned how to love. I learned what it meant to love another human being and not just myself. And ironically, it wasn't Doug that God changed. It was me. He did a major transformation in me and in my heart. And I realized that all the things I had learned in the world and our culture were lies. It was deception. This was the peace and freedom that I was looking for. It was the first time that I had felt that since I was a very little girl. I didn't need to do everything myself. It wasn't all about me and my control and me leading and me making all the decisions. It was okay. Um, God, I talked to Doug earlier, and I said, did you feel like, you know, you, you could leave right away? He goes, oh, no. <laughs> I failed all the time, and he did. He did fail all the time, actually, as did I. But this was the sweetest part, was when he did fail, and I could look him in the eyes and say, it's okay, I love you. Whereas before, I might have said, well, if you'd listen to me, if you'd done what I said, it's okay, I love you. And the look on his face when, I, when he knew that was priceless. 
So we've been married for 13 years, and the first few years were much like this, and it was wonderful, and we had, then we had children. And with the busyness of being a mom, I mean, it's one thing to surrender the finances and the decisions, but my babies, uh, that's a whole different story. To submit when it comes to parenting has been one of the hardest things to do. And I can't say that I've always done it well. But I can, when I look back on the times where I have not submitted, where I have taken my old selfishness and my old pride and my old need, need to control back, is in those times where I was too busy to be in the Word, where I put Jesus Christ on the back burner, where I had this to do and that to do, and if I didn't do it all, it was all going to fall apart. And it was also those times where those people around me, those other Christians around me, had moved away, and I didn't invest in the time for my sisters in Christ. And I realize now, just recently, that I cannot do this alone. The same message from the before, I cannot do this alone. I just can't. I need all of you. I need the body. I need those women in my life to help me. I need Jesus Christ. I need to surrender daily, every single day. Because before I would know it, the world just comes in and, and goes right back to the where I was. The best thing, though, is that I asked Doug, I said, so you know those times where I didn't submit to you and it was really hard? I just, I just want to say I'm, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And he was like, you did? I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know that at all. You know? He's like, I just, he just loved me right through it. So um, God has so much grace. He has so much grace. And I am so thankful every day. The act of submission for me was an act of faith. My faith grew as a result of it. My marriage was blessed as a result of it. And every day I'm so thankful to God for this amazing gift. Thank you. Aren't you glad that we don't have to do um, this alone? We really do have each other. And I'm just um, so grateful that um, the men in our church gave us this time that we can just be together as women. I wanted to um, direct you to the book of Titus again. I'm glad that, so thankful that Todd talked about that. Um, in Titus 2, it tells us as women that we're supposed to, it's not... It might help you, but it's actually that we are supposed to walk together as women and teach each other to love and submit to our husbands. It says that we're supposed to do that. Um, and it tells us to teach each other how to love our children. And it tells us how to teach each other how to live our daily lives as women submitted to our Heavenly Father. Um, Today, we want to give you a chance as women to get together and pray together. Um, we think that's the first step in connecting as women to um, have that ability to teach each other. And so we'll do that in just a moment. We, as a women's ministry here at Cornerstone, also want to share with you our desire to be a resource to you, to connect to each other for discipleship, for teaching, for encouragement, for friendship, but I want to share a secret with you. We're just beginning. 
We are just at the beginning stages of what this women's ministry and what it means to um, minister to each other as women in Cornerstone. And we're asking for you to give us, um, those of us that are involved in the women's ministry, give us grace as we begin, but even better, join us. Um, there's a place for you here to be a part of what's going on in our church body, not just in a women's ministry, but as a women's ministry, we want it to be a resource of connecting you to the body of Christ and connecting you to other women in your body to um, teach each other. If you are a woman that you are feeling called because you're a spiritually mature woman and you feel called to, okay, what Titus 2 is saying is I'm supposed to teach the younger women. Um, we want you to connect with us as a women's ministry um, because we can help you in coaching you and um, in training and all those things. But we're just at the beginning. We're just learning how do we do that as a church body, as a women's ministry. But we'd love for you to connect with us. If you're a woman here tonight that's looking for connection with your sisters in Christ, if you say, I come to this church, I sit here and listen to great teaching, but I've never talked to any of the other women here, or I know just a couple women here and nobody else, and I wouldn't, nobody here really is discipling me or teaching me how to live my life as a woman um, in submission to Christ, then we want to do that, so we'd like you to meet with us. And if you feel called to be a part of this women's ministry and serve with us, we'd like you to connect with us. Um, we're going to be, in a little while, out at the info table and come and talk to us. Um, give us your information. Tell us what your heart and what the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart. If it's um, to say, I'm going to be brave and say I'm one of those older women that's willing to connect, or I need to connect, I'm a younger woman. Or if you're saying... I believe God's um, laying it on my heart to serve. Come connect with us. Um, but first, we want to get together and pray. That's where we want to start as women of this church. We want to pray together. We want to connect our hearts to each other, but to our Heavenly Father. So I've asked um, some women if they'd come up and just be in front, that they'd be willing to pray with anybody who'd like to pray. We'd love just to have some time to pray together. So if you women would just kind of come up, and I'm going to ask Vicki Steinwinder to come up, and she's going to pray over you women, as all of us, as um, women of Cornerstone. So um, after she gets done praying, we'd really um, love it if women you'd come up Get together maybe with somebody around you that you want to pray with, and let's ask God, Lord, what does it look like to submit to the man in my life? What does it look like to surrender and submit to my Heavenly Father? And um, let's start there, okay? Good morning. Um, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for who you are and that you're exalted and above everything, you are high and lifted up. Thank you, God, that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. You called us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then you gave us your Holy Spirit to be a teacher, to be our guide, to show us the way. 
And we need that so, do we need that? Um, we are citizens of heaven, but living on earth, God, we need your help. We need you to guide us on your path, not according to the model and the way of the world. And so much of what we know is that. I pray you give us a heart to search your word, to seek you, to take time in prayer to seek what you would have for us. God, you call us to be helpmates to our husband, to submit. I pray it would be an honor to each of us that we would see it as good, that this is going to be what the world sees, that they'll love you through it. I pray that you unify this church, that you bring us together, each one of us, that we would truly reflect Jesus Christ. And then in all of that, that we would do what you call us to, that great commission of sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. So please show us how we do this and how we do it well, not begrudgingly, but how we do it well. We thank you so much that you hear our prayers and we look to see what you're going to do. We're excited to see how you're going to unify each of us to one another to reflect Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in the beautiful and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name. Amen.
sorry to be a man's voice in here suddenly. <laughs> this is awesome. I was sitting in the back just thinking, this is so cool, everybody praying together. There's a young lady named Lexi that is going to get baptized right now. And I thought, what a fitting morning to get baptized on. And so I'm going to let uh, uh, Ryan, oh, we don't have a mic up here, do we? Okay, why don't you do all the, the intro and then we'll, we'll, we'll baptize her. Oh, here it is. Hello, my name is Ryan. Come on, Lexi. Okay. Um, I work with the junior high group, and this is Lexi. She's getting baptized. I'm super excited. This is super great. Uh, she went to winter camp with us, and God did some really cool things in the lives of our students. And so, um, yeah, moved and did really cool things. A lot of our students made a decision to follow Christ. Uh, Lexi is one of them. And so just seeing Lexi and the way God has been working in her life, her life in the past few months, it's really cool to see uh, how she's been growing and maturing. And so a response to that, she's made a decision to get baptized. All right, so I was out there, and the men were fearful you wouldn't want to come out. And so for the good of all those men out there, <laughs> have a great week, and we'll, we'll see you all next week. Bye.